Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Got a really good show for you today. I've been trying to sit down with Andy Hediger, uh, one of the original gangsters, really, in our sport. Um, was there in the very, very beginning designing gliders for advance and uh, became one of the Red Bull kind of acro aces uh, won a world cup in 2000 flies everything trikes and sailplanes and you name it uh hang gliders uh, he flies literally everything uh a whole bunch of aircraft i'd never even heard of uh did a monster flight in the in a caravan from red bull headquarters in salzburg all the way across scotland and greenland and all the way down to where he's living now in argentina where he set up a school and uh we talk about some of his crazy accidents uh the latest with hernan pitico and his movie airman is just unbelievable so you'll see that in the show notes we bring it up quite a bit in the show but before we get to get that i've got a whole bunch of well i've got a few things of housekeeping uh and a couple of them not even related really too much to flying but uh it's been something that has been kind of a big piece of my life lately and uh, thought you might be interested in it. When I did the 2015 X-Alps, um, some of you that followed that or saw the blogs, that kind of thing, I uh, had a lot of trouble with inflammation, just the, the stress and the pounding uh, every day. And, and I was super fit going into it, but my, you know, every night, uh, and we had trained for this and we'd done all these kind of simulations beforehand, but um, every night I would, well, every morning I would wake up in just a mountain of sweat, like literally like lakes and just, uh, and it was disgusting, but it was also, it was just my body trying to get rid of all that inflammation and <clears throat> didn't really understand why that was happening. I mean, my feet got like three sizes bigger. They didn't fit, fit in any of my shoes. Of course, they got super, super blistered, looked like somebody beat on them with a hammer. So anyway, I just put up with it in 2015, but in 2017, uh, we decided to really take it seriously and figure out what the problem was and what might be causing some of that if it was just normal, because I know a lot of the athletes have the whole swelling with their feet. But anyway, we went to, I went to a doctor down in Pocatello and did all these lab tests and blood tests and got really kind of fascinated with uh, the ketogenic diet and fat adapted diet and, and that's becoming kind of a big thing and endurance stuff so not very related to just standard paragliding but in that whole search for nutrition and and uh figuring out what had happened when we went in the 2017 race this time around um i stayed away from what powered me a lot in 2015 was carbohydrates you know just a lot of goose and coke and sugar and all these things to kind of help me keep from bonking but didn't re realize you know you can get away with that when it's like an ultra or it's a hundred mile or something when you're doing it day after day after day after day turns out that stuff is you know you wouldn't eat that stuff normally so why would you do it in a 10-day race so in the 2017 event um, i pretty much stuck with whole foods a lot of protein a lot of fat anyway i'll get to the point here the in the studying for that i was listening to a ton of podcasts about nutrition and listening to all these shows about how about kind of ultra athletes and what they did and came across this book uh right actually right before the x alps when maddie was pregnant with uh, fallon a little girl that i had in, in august and he was talking about how critical nutrition was with mothers and toddlers but also when you know, the 
you know, when in the nine months of gestation. So I listened to this podcast, and he he mentioned this book by Catherine Shanahan called Deep Nutrition, and that's the point: is if you haven't read it uh, or haven't heard about it, go out and get this book. Uh, I can basically sum it up. It's a massive book, and it's got a lot of science. Uh, it is not conspiracy theory type stuff, but if you believe, as I do, that big ag's got a lock on a lot of the shit food that we eat and processed foods and the pros- and the problems with all of that, um, she takes it step by step, what's wrong with all that with the processed foods, but the two big, the massive takeaways and the two big things in the book are vegetable oil and sugar. And uh, vegetable oil, I did not realize this, you know, that's kind of sold as this heart healthy thing. You know, this is the whole advent of margarine back in the 40s and 50s. And uh, vegetable oil is, you know, sunflower oil, safflower oil, soy, uh, uh, palm. God, there's there's a, canola, of course, is the worst. But really, there are three oils that are good for you. That's olive oil, peanut oil, and uh, coconut oil. If it's not one of those, it's it's basically the cause of cancer on down if you believe the book so if you believe the science uh, which is pretty solid at this point and just been covered up by big ag um, you know like it's it's like half the calories in granola it's in every protein bar you've ever eaten so all those goos that I was eating and all that sugar is pretty much loaded up with either sunflower safflower oil which are uh, your bodies just can't handle them so if you've got a little kid or you're interested in health, uh, I realize this is off topic with paragliding. Sorry for those of you who, who don't care, just yawning right now. But um, I found it really scary and very interesting. And uh, and you'd be surprised that stuff's in everything. And when you heat it up, of course, like, you know, French fries, uh, it, it's way, way, way worse. So have a look. Again, the book is Deep Nutrition by Katherine Shanahan. And especially for those of you who have kids or especially little kids, um, super important next topic uh quite a few people have been asking me how to stay warm it's spring in the northern hemisphere here and uh it's pretty tough to stay warm when your hands are above your heart and uh people have been asking you know if i have any tips or tricks for that you know i I don't know if any of this is magic but what i have learned for those of you interested send me an email and i can send you my list of what i wear uh, it's all Patagonia stuff because I find that they make the best stuff and it lasts forever. It is a little bit more expensive, but you'll never need to replace it because it's warranted forever. But I kind of go with the layering system. So the the you know if I'm just if I'm doing hike and fly, my first layer is not going to be cotton. It'll be like merino wool or one of the blends. But the blends get pretty stinky. They they do make them better now, so they're kind of like they call it anti-stink. But you know that first layer is a really thin layer. You probably maybe you saw in the Alaska Traverse that blue shirt that gets all torn up but like merino wool works really well or like a capillane works really well just super thin and then I'll usually have another one of those in my bag so when I get to the top I can take off the sweaty one put it on a rock let it dry out for a bit and put on the dry one Um, and then next layer would be like a synthetic or a fleece you know something not too thick but usually with a hood and then uh, like a nano puff or a nano air, so a real lightweight down. If it's gonna be a super cold day, then I'll go with a big puff. And in the Patagonia line, it's called the Hyper Puff. Um, and they have 
great ones with the hood and they're real they're down so you can really pack them down the, the hyper puff is actually synthetic so it's pretty good in the rain and that kind of thing but anything big anything just you know that really puffy um, the mistake that a lot of people make is they put speed sleeves over that which is makes sense for racing but you don't want to compact that down you know let it stay out um, the trick really in my mind with keeping your hands warm is that you, you've got to keep your core warm. You don't have a chance if your core is not warm. So if you're flying a pod, you don't need to worry about your legs too much. If you're not, then you've got to bundle up your legs the same as you do your top. Uh, if you're, if you have a pod, I never find it's much, you know, I don't find it necessary to do much more than long underwear. And then my classic board shorts that you see in all the films that I've always got on. That's because when I land, I'll take off the long underwear and then I've got something comfortable to hike in. But you know, if I'm racing or I'm in a comp or there's retrieve, I'll just fly in Carhartts or, you know, Patagonia's workwear pants or something. I don't worry about it. But for, you know, if I'm going to be hiking, then I definitely like to have the shorts. Um, if it's going to be really cold, then I'll go with the long underwear and like a shell pants, like a ski pant, but not, not anything real heavy. I find it, it's just too much. And if you start, if you get low anytime during the flight, you're just going to be sweating so much. It's, it's, you get too sticky. And then of course you get even colder when you get high. Of course, oxygen helps a ton. If you're, you know, be flying anywhere high and in thin, thin air, then oxygen really helps you stay warm. Hands, um, so I, I fly with those Zanier gloves. They're super expensive and they're hopeless. Uh, sorry guys that, that, you know, that make those. I know they're trying, but um, I've tried a bunch of different battery operated heated gloves. None of them work. They all suck. Uh, Black Diamond put out a pair and they recalled them and the Zanier ones I find, I don't even, I can't tell if there's any heat coming from it all. So total waste of money in my mind. I, you know, better a pair of mitts is, of course, mittens are much better than gloves. And on the really cold days, I'll have some hand warmers that I'll shake up real good beforehand and then put them on the back of my hand so they don't mess with how I'm grabbing my toggles and stuff. A warning on that, though, uh, I had an incident, and I've you know, a couple people have had much worse incidents, but I was flying here in Sun Valley a few summers ago, really big day. I was trying to stay out of a cloud up at around 18,000. I was trying to stay below 18,000 to stay legal because it was a pretty good day. I was with uh, Nick Grease and Nate Scales and had a massive blowout and it took me about 3,000 feet to sort it out but in about the first thousand feet of trying to sort this out I was in a really locked in bad spiral with a huge cravat and I was trying to throw I was trying to go for my reserve and I had big mittens on and I had put my hands up through the toggles which I try not to do when I have big gloves on because of exactly what happened here and so I got completely twisted up and I was so twisted up I couldn't get my hands out of the brakes so I couldn't get to the reserve and so luckily was able to sort it but uh, that could have been pretty awful if I, you know, could have never gotten to the reserve. So, um, and I've heard of people having, I've heard of that happening to people where they, they weren't able to get out of that and then they spiral all the way to the ground. So, um, much better if you're using bigger gloves or even better anyway, to just grab the toggles on the outside and do kind of like a little half wrap and then grab the lines with your fingers. And so your hands are never in the toggles, but especially that's important with big gloves because they can, you start getting twisted up you can't get your hands out. So, um, but yeah, mittens, you know, or big gloves. The problem with that, of course, 
is it starts to get pretty hard to fly on the bees on your toggles and stuff so you know it's a delicate balance and you know what you'll see with the guys that are flying you know huge lines in Pakistan when they're super tall and they don't have to worry about class one airspace you see all those guys having the, the like down sleeves uh, from your coat which is brilliant that's great you got to be super anal about that when you launch because uh, there have been way more than several accidents with people getting those kind of wrapped around their lines or screwed up, you know, because it's a, it's a big bulky thing you've got to worry about. So you can either put them on after you launch or just be really careful when you do launch. But the problem with those is they're, they're so bulky that, of course, you really can't fly on the bees and stuff. So totally inappropriate for racing of course and you know maybe you're just not really worried about using too much speed bar and that kind of thing when you're up tall so maybe that's not big, uh, that big a deal but uh, I certainly like to have my hands available to to use the bees especially if we're flying a two-liner so anyway that's my thoughts on layering and lastly uh, usually I talk about supporting the show at the end of the show but uh, in this case, we've just put up a store on the cloudbasedmayhem.com. Go and check that out. We've got some really cool, I'm doing all my t-shirts now through Patagonia because they just make, they're the only real supplier I could find that makes truly sustainable shirts and uh, 100% organic. And the last run I had, uh, the cloud-based mayhem shirts, I did them all online and I just wasn't really that psyched with them with the fit and after you washed them, they kind of shrank a little bit and stuff. So these are great. I've been using them on the boat and with my other business for ages and uh, they're all printed up with the, the mayhem logo and a cool little tagline on there. So go check it out on the website. And we've also got uh, Annika Herndon makes these killer recaps hats, these cloud-based mayhem hats. Every one is individual. They're totally unique. Um, these are things that the Patreon supporters get at certain levels anyway. But uh, if you just want to support us through through PayPal one time or you just want a shirt or a hat, this is another way you can support us and kind of spread the word. Now, there's not really much money made there. There's not a lot of margin, but uh, it would be great to have you in our stuff and showing other people that uh, you're listening to the podcast. So check that out, cloudbasedmayhem.com. Check out the store and uh, order some swag and I'll get it off to you. And uh, yeah, so let's get into this show with Andy Hedinger. Like I said, we've been trying to connect for literally months and months and months and finally able to do so. He's down in Argentina. Uh, he's had a really long recovery after this crazy trike accident when Hernan Pitico, another Red Bull athlete, was doing a, uh, doing a jump out of a, a D-bag deployment out of the trike and everything goes really bad and it's all on video. You know, again, you got to see this movie Airman. It's just unbelievable. But... Um, Andy's done an amazing three, four year now recovery after this crazy accident and uh, still going strong, going hard. And he's got four beautiful little kids. And this is just a really heartfelt, deep, fantastic talk from uh, literally the OG. I mean, he has uh, he has seen and done it all and uh, has a lot of cool things to say and a lot of great stories to share. And I think you're going to enjoy this. So without further ado... Please enjoy this talk with Andy Hedinger. Andy, it is just, we've been working at this for months, haven't we? It's been a long time to try to make this happen, but uh, it sounds like you've got a whole bunch of wind in your backyard there in Argentina. So uh, the opportunity came up and I just watched your movie, amazing movie, uh, Airman, that is uh, just an incredible documentary of flying, not just paragliding, but just the whole thing. And it's... uh, 
it's in some ways a real real tearjerker. We'll get into that part of the movie here in a bit, but thank you so much for coming on the mayhem and and sharing. Uh, I'm sure what will be some amazing stories. Uh, I thought maybe a great place to start was would be to just start with the the very beginning. You know, you you worked for Advance. You were part of you know what made. You were right in the very beginning of paragliding, like, like we talked about before we started recording. Uh, it's a very proud thing, you know. Over thirty years ago, you started flying and and really designing gliders. Let, let let's start there. Yeah, thirty three years ago, right now, or a little bit more even. Uh, I just finished my school process, Swiss Army process, and then I know that I will not go to the normal kind of life. Uh, I was surfing a lot, I was shaping my surfboards, and then I wanted to make my own sails for my surfboards, windsurfing, of course. And uh, I went to a sewing factory in Rehetobel, which is in Upper Zellerland, <clears throat> and just to start learning about how to sew and how to use a sewing machine and those kinds of materials. At this time, a skydiver named uh, Guido, he was a skydiver, a very famous skydiver, Swiss national skydive team, and he said, oh, look, uh, we should try to make from this seven-cell skydiver uh, the same one with the zero-porosity uh, materials. So then boss, Hans-Ueli Zuberbühler, told me uh, we should make this and we should copy this. And this was the time when I thought, ah, but how, how it will work. They will not jump out of the aircraft. For me, skydiving was something that I didn't know, want to know nothing about. Mm. Uh, I was really scared about skydiving at this time. As I did not really understand actually what is this big uh, game of playing in the air. <laughs> and so it starts. And at this time then I came together with uh, Roman Bühler and we built it swing which was called swiss wing which still exists today as swing german manufacturer today but mm. the start of swing was swiss wing and before that then uh, during this process we make the inferno 55 and in the process then we get uh, we make the work together to make it as short as possible then uh, i leave this uh, tuberbüller uh, sewing uh, manufacturer and just to start be full-time only building paragliders with Roman. And with him then we built Paratech. Hmm. With Paratech we make the first paraglider who flows one to six. <laughs> we know that a paraglider of one to six, now we just passed nearly three years from uh, Tuberbüller sewing factory to Paratech in, in, in Stadt, in St. Gallen. And... Um, yeah, this one to six paraglider flew from Berg, which is a small hill where you have 500 meters uh, level difference and three kilometers down to the to the to the lake. So if you re if you reach the lake, you flew one to six, and this was our goal, and we reached this goal. But during this project, also, you know, we started to find out the problem of. Uh, when paragliding actually starts, it was more a sport for mountaineering people, guys who walked up and want to glide down to the valley. 
So this was the start. So we had at this time, if you look to old magazines, you can see all these uh, mountain people with mountain helms on. <laughs> <laughs> and with this old, uh, yeah, you know, the clouses we used at this time. But then we start to make flights and start soaring, reach starts, thermaling and paragliding really, I believe then in, this was 90, it was 89, 90 when it starts to grow and grow and so many uh, telecables in Switzerland were nearly die, starts to really reburn by more and more paragliding people used to get up the mountain and fly down. And in 91, we make this big uh, film, which is called Duel in den Wolken, uh, which was made from the Swiss-German TV. <laughs> uh, and this was getting out on TV station. In 91, we got the first world championship. It you know, was Robbie Whittle, uh, Ueli, Ueli oh, Wiesmeier, and uh, Andy Hediger and uh, Urs Hari and you know we are at this time we went those big pilots and in Sant'Andre the first world championship five world championship which was uh, you know we flew nearly 90 kilometer tasks at this time was just wow flying mm -hmm. incredibly incredibly tasks but now, you know, from 84, when I started, 85 to 91, it was just also nearly six years past. And the six years went, I think, the really strongest uh, paragliding uh, growing process, yeah? Mm. From a seven-cell paraglider up to a 21-cell paraglider, our, our, our first... 21 cell, which, which calls Airbus. <laughs> and then, you know, the progress who flew one to six, which have started to bring many, many problems to the people for flying as, you know, the, 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 the how we said, uh, the conditions of flying a seven cell, uh, low, red, very low um, performance paraglider up to a one to six changed completely the piloting. So then the accident started. Mm. Uh, this was the time when I thought I must start to make safety courses. So I went to look for a place over the lake, and then I get to Monte Generoso in in, in Lugano. Was a small train driving up, and we had 1,300 meters. So people gliding out, they arrived at this time with 800 meters. In the future, of course, with much more as the performance increase. And I learned to the people, and mostly people who are just finished the school, how to fly a paraglider out of normal control. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so I was also at the creator the of this. Of SIV, and then I saw to the Federation, uh, I get also in with Alain Soler, with test pilot for the Federation, and with Alain Soler, I grew in all the process how to, to test paragliders, how to certify them, how to get uh, a, a, a safer sport. And, and, you know, look just today, it's incredible where we, we, where we 
we're rich. I, there's this beautiful scene, the, the very last scene in the movie. You're you're on a trampoline in your backyard. It looks like with your family and four kids, yeah. and 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 one of your little little cuties goes, you know, my my dad has a an awesome job. You know, maybe how did and what is your job now today? Let's let's go from thirty years ago to now and 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 navigate some of that space for me. Like, when did the relationship with Diddy at at Red Bull begin? And it just seems like that's been a, a major component of of your life. I think when I get into '91, this uh, World Championship in Santandre, which I finished second behind Robbie Whittle, it was then a big. Uh, a big bang start. Then I meet Hannes Arch. He came from Austria, visit me. He wants to know about Paratech. And a big friendship starts at this time. And he just start living and stay with me in, in the sewing factory. And I've learned him flying paragliding. He brings me out together with uh, Ulrich Grill, our photographer at this time and we had the first meeting with Didi Mateschitz in 92 and then when it starts actually our Red Bull Acro team <laughs> and then you know I'm more the person who is a, a visionist of flying I have started to make maneuvers and aerobatic maneuvers and I could even speak during these maneuvers so uh, when we start filming all those test parts and talking to, uh, I just discovered that I have these capacities and I could transmit all my experiences and transmitting. And then one part was certification, tests, development, and the other part then was to start to make films, photo shootings, and with Hannes. Uh, who had the vision of this extra team, uh, Ulrich, who was the photographer, and I was more the man who prepared and flew and made the actions, the shots. <laughs> so, and then we get in Guido German, so we build it and bring together skydiving, hang gliding, paragliding from that base jumping, and we start our circuit with a trike where we could fly in over all those Red Bull, uh, th this first um, uh, competitions or meetings, he organized the shows, you know, in, for example, in Salzburg, where's this ski jump uh, uh, place, we flew in with making aerobatic shows with live documentation, music, some snowboarder and this was the first event that Red Bull organized and we just flew in there and then the Flugtag starts so it was the very very beginning of Red Bull actually it was just known in Austria and afterwards who all knows the Red Bull story <laughs> they know that once Red Bull was forbidden then and this makes of course a very special effect <laughs> afterwards this you know we went I was just athlete and and, and and I, I receive a support from a person who believes in our vision to bring those sports together and to transmit the feeling to dance in the air. Today, you ask me, you know, I fly from caravan, sailplane, small aircraft, strikes, I'm skydiver. Now I'm strongly wingsuiting, of course, not the proximity, but from the aircraft. And 
you know, I just like, for me, it's just like a good musicist, a musicist, you know, a good musicist is a band who can, or <laughs> who can uh, uh, touch an instrument, several kind of instruments. And be an airman or an air sports artist, it's like a little bit the same vision, you know, to know that the air, it's our swimming pool or our air pool, you know, yeah. where you jump in and you fly through. But uh, I, turn, I can just advance one, of course, of your question, it will come for sure, paragliding. It's still the most wonderful and beautiful and most perfect uh, wing that exists on Earth. <laughs> That's a, I, that was my next question. Is which I mean, you, I've got it written down here: the trike and the hang gliders and the swift and the virus uh, sailplanes, our coptrix, the tar. I mean, you fly them all, but the the paragliders, you're still you're still your favorite. You know, I got then. You know, my accident stopped me for nearly three years. Uh, and then I start making a few little flights, but very scared about my my legs and now that i'm trained every day i get them stronger and dizzier actually this season also with advance who started to retake a little bit on high performance prototypes i have just re rediscovered how much i love paragliding and how beautiful and how simple this wing is you know and more and more in today where air spaces are restricted where everywhere you know you need to be uh, it's so complicated and with a paraglider you, it's still this this feeling of be free you know you have this little bag with this light a light uh, paraglider stuff. Yeah, you get a, some some lightness harness and light wings. You get just four, five, seven kilos. You walk somewhere and you take off, and you know this is just no words to explain. It's beautiful to be on a sailplane with twenty meters wingspan and one to sixty glide ratio. But you know you are limited all the time. Hmm. Archaeopteryx. I love the archaeopteryx to foot launch and fly. And flight thermals that you can either fly with paraglider for this very, very super top, low uh, uh, minimum sink performance. But you need a trailer. Now, of course, they, they are electrical ones. But if I go back to paraglider, I can fly. And then it's like I land here and I can walk. Yeah. And I'm by myself and I can get some water, some fruit, something to eat, to smoke, whatever I need. And I'm just free. And that's what I feel is paragliding is that's why paragliding at least is so strong and so big and is still growing so much everywhere. And today, all my students, they came here and they want to know about flying. They start with paragliding. Hmm. It's the first step. That's the first step. Andy, the, I, I was going to, you, you brought up your accident. I was going to bring that up later in the show, but because you brought it up, I, I'd love to hear that that scene with you and Hernan and, and what happened. It, it, those of you listening, if you haven't seen the movie, you'll, you'll find the link to it in the, in the show notes. It is, it's just an amazing documentary, uh, super powerful. And the, the, the scene of, of uh, when it, things go bad with you and Hernan, it's just, fuck, it's terrifying. Um, 
just amazing that you both lived. Uh, you, you of course hurt your, you broke your, your feet really badly. And like you said, a three year kind of recovery or more, I guess, uh, still going, but, um, how much of that was, was mental? You, you have this line in the movie. If you don't think, if you don't take the time to think it through, you're going to fuck it up. And you know, my, my girlfriend was, was watching last night with me. I was showing her when you, when you jumped off the, out of the reserve before it slammed into the water tower. I mean, just the heads up presence there was just terrific. And, and, you know, I, uh, I don't think many people would have had the, <laughs> the wherewithal to, to, to make that move. Cause obviously really scary. And you, I mean, you timed it perfectly, but you still got pretty hurt. Um, I'm just just wondering, you know, a, a very common theme on the show is is talking to people who have had an accident because it's just a part of this sport that, you know, it, it's not inevitable by any means, but a lot of people unfortunately have been hurt. And it seems like the recovery is off, often much more so in the head, in the mind. Yeah. Look, if I'm very honest, I had several accidents and I has been part of in uh, analyzing accidents in the Swiss uh, Hang Gliding Federation. Um, I think in life we know that we can do however what we want and we can get die on a herd attack, we can die on a brain attack, we can die at the truck, get crashed into our car, our bicycle. You know, what I never do, for example, I never go bicycling on the road impossible that I go with a bicycle to a road <laughs> in Argentina either. But then if you go and fly, you are by your own. So the risk to be catched from another airplane, it's very small. But, um, you know, those primary accidents that I had that was to my back, twice time then i had uh, accidents after bettina dies it was nearly i was in coma for several days um but i don't know why <laughs> let's say somebody wants that i continue so i continuing and then I, you 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 just you just grow with that and that's why I all the time say feel fear it's natural we must feel this this part of, uh, you know, be just, uh, I should be very concentrated what I do. And this is a part of life. And afterwards, now this last accident, which was filmed, shows one more that if you don't sing your things well, or if you feel that somebody is not really as it should be, um, you should not do it. <laughs> So if you are drunk and you drive, you can do it, but you know that you're doing a bullshit. Maybe if you arrive at home and the next day and say, wow, how I reach my home driving back. I think, you know, to make a, a conversation, how many times people are doing this kind of, of, of things and not only driving, I think in a lot of other uh, part in, in, in our lives. Yeah. Um, then afterwards, if you survive, it might in this part, which is filmed now with the trike, when when this happens, you know, I, I, I was feeling that we are doing bullshit. 
I know this. So you you had the sense before you even started, like something's wrong. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I did. I do also explain it a little bit in the yeah, film now. I try to analyze. And I thought, look, we had to so many D-Bag. I was a developer of the D-Bag. We and Hannes, actually Hannes, in white, uh, invented. And I sold the first D-Bags. When I jumped out from a balloon with a tandem paraglider, at this time with Bettina, I thought, yeah, but we could jump out. We make a small bag. And Hannah said, okay, let's do it. And we designed the D-bag. And then we start to jump out from the trike with the D-bag. And we had make hundreds of D-bag jumps from the trike, afterwards from the balloon, from the helicopter, from the bridges, from either paragliding. We went on Red Bull Vertigo. I remember this was maybe 94, 5, something like that. We take off three on a paraglider. And then I released with D-Bag hanging on me Uli Gegenschatz, dropping him out. You know, this was just never seen before. And we had to make all this progress, making a nice work. And then here we had make, I start to make Red Bull uh, actual team of Latino America together with uh, with Hernan Pitoco, Nico Lopez. Then I, I, I we built this Red Bull aerobatics team, and that's when uh, those athletes get into Red Bull. We made several shows, over hundred thousands of people in, in in Santiago in Buenos Aires, and then here one day in our garden. On a Monday, you know, Hernan wanted to change the system. And then he put this belt between D-Bag and himself to be more comfortable. The reason he wanted to do that was, I was agree, if you have to fly far away into a show, it's very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But it was never a problem as we have done it years, during years. And I said, this belt will fuck you up. And I know it, but I was never strong enough to say, ah, I'll just look for another pilot. Do it with somebody other. Hmm. Ah, Andy, you start to be old. Oh, Andy, you start to be, you know, and I start to be really older, actually. In my brain, I'm still like, I don't know, 22 now, but maybe 28, 30. I'm end of months, I'm 52 and uh, still alive. However... Then this shit happens. And then when, when it happens and I lost conscience and I was really, I saw it, I'm dead. Then my conscience came back as I have very, very strong negative Gs. Yeah. And, uh, and I get to the emergency handle and I saw, fuck, emergency handle. My emergency shoot is expired since years. I was thinking this, mm. you know, and I went and I, I just get to this handle against all these forces. And when I hear the explosion, you know, I said, wow, it was just orgasmical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I was looking and where is this fucking shoot? And it just passed. And half me, if you look the video and the original. Straight down. The rocket went straight down, you know, but the baddest configuration. And it passed just by side. And it did not hang in. However, opened, 
and I'm hanging there. You know, and when I'm hanging out there and say, okay, now back to earth, everything is okay. I was just very angry and I was just, uh, uh, just, you know, how we said the word when you said bad words, when you are just fucking bullshit. And I'm, I was just cheating out, yeah. <laughs> and then I saw those water tanks and, I, <laughs> and they laughed and they said, no. I can't believe I get into this water tank. No, look all the space I have, you know. And then I stopped loving and I concentrate me. I said, man, if I get in those tanks, I was even in the water, of course. Why I did not jump in the water? You know why? Why we put the top on the tanks with some steel cables against the birds. So this was, you know... Uh, how we said, cover it. And those steels, I thought, if I jump and I get one of these steels, I'm cut like a salami. Yeah, you're dead. And I thought, okay, I must jump off. But then was two of those things. So I need to wait that I jump. Pause the first to jump and then I need to crash in the second one. However, it works. I'm here. I'm talking to you. <laughs> then I, then, you know, to get back to the recovering, to all those, um, you know, you have family, you have your children, you have your project, you have many things going on, growing this, this all this inversion we have done, bringing a caravan to Argentina. Uh, Hernan had jumped out from the caravan with paraglider. I don't know if you, you heard yeah, about this 20,000 feet. It was so nice history for me, you know, it was so nice. But you, you know, paragliding burns about skydiving, but paragliding also gives back to skydiving so many um, development of, you know, how to sew profiles. Look, these high-performance skydive rigs today, they are like that through paragliding development. Yeah. Uh, we have done so many things, and then I had this bad accident which stops me, and, you know, you think this is just the end, but actually it was just the beginning of a new era. Now I walk sometimes well, sometimes like a, a very old man, but I walk and I can fly, I can jump, I could take off even the archaeopteryx by my feet on zero wind conditions. This is just amazing. And it shows me that, yeah, the, what we have uh, inside the head, brain or however, our center is so, so in interesting how it works and how I think we also can... If you have more or less a good health, you can just be influenced to be positive, you know, to look forward. But I must also be very honest today with this project. After all things who happens, I sometimes said, oof, should I not have been just, just go forward with paragliding, only paragliding. <laughs> You know, as paragliding, at least I have, I, I like that, you know, now I have a prototype that I received from Advance and I can just work a little bit on it and flying and make some knots and, and change. And, you know, this is just for me, it's so beautiful, so nice work. Simple. Yeah, I don't know. It's very simple. Uh, the, the, as wing, it's very simple. Yeah. Mm. But 
it gives me, you know, it's bring me back to the to the very beginning. The beginning. That's kind of cool that it's come full circle. Andy, how much you know? You, you you've lost a lot of friends. Yeah, uh, you, you've already mentioned them: Hannes, Whaley, Guido. Um, do, do you you know? Do, were there deaths partly because? Is any of it because of the pressure of, of Red Bull or the pressure of, you know, always doing something new and performance and, you know, kind of pushing the limits? Or is that just built into you guys anyway? Would that have been not inevitable, but you see what I'm saying? You know, without Red Bull as a player, would it be the same thing? You know, Gavin, Red Bull maybe. Um... We should be very careful of how we get this um, explained. For me, Red Bull has no any responsibility of nobody. Hannes, Willy, uh, Guido, we are just personalities who had this passion for our sport. Yeah, and if you look to all those other, for example, GoPro or all these cameras who, who are, are making possible to see, and I think they are also big part of how fast sports grows. As many many people could start looking into YouTube, thousands of times the same maneuvers. Um, I think if you die, it was just the time that you live this level of life. And it has nothing to do with a sponsor or however, whatever you want to. If a surfer dies in a, in, 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 in a wave, you know, it wasn't the responsibility of his surfboard. Sure. Yeah, sure, good. Uh, however, and if here I think it's just, you know, we are maybe people who are, we are not as normal that we get a normal, what is normal, you know, uh, being married or not married, having children or not give them uh, an education that they in future are of their own life and during this time you give your children you transmit what you can i have four mm -hmm. children and my oldest doctor will be 18 now and then i have my my son which is 14 and he just make me crazy <laughs> right now you know <laughs> and then i have my daughter and then i thought what will be of them you know they are they are mm -hmm. unique and they are just through a process and then I think back to my life, how I grew up, and I was the same stupid asshole when I was 14, 15 years old, and I started discovering what is for what I have my balls between <laughs> my legs and, and so on. So, you know, then it came the time that you grow and you feel a passion of do something. And if it's maybe doing a very good meal and you are the chief kitchener. Maybe you will die as you are fat or not. And if you are a diver, a soup diver, a mountaineering, you are a motorcycle, you are a surfer, you are a hockey, hockey player. However, whatever you are doing, but you are doing it as it's your mm. patient. Mm. Then nobody can be responsible which could be a close sponsor or a 
energy drink sponsor in my personal case. But what I give a very, very big thanks to uh, Red Bull in this place, that it's give to many people an opportunity to grow through the passion you had. And, but not only give you money, you must have also like, you must have a characteristic to be an athlete of Red Bull. Hmm. And this is not be a crazy man, as you can see in Red Bull today, this is so big, uh, a very, very big aspect of different kind of sports, artists, uh, you know, of mm. art in every kind of view. So there where I'm a little bit sensible when people said, ah, Red Bull is responsible that this or this guy uh, dies. No, I'm absolutely not agree with this. Andy, the, at the very end of your movie, your, your wife um, says, you know, it's it can be really hard to be in a relationship with someone who has so much passion, who's so driven. Um, and I, I'm smiling as I say this right now because my, my girlfriend would say <laughs> the same about, about me. Uh, because you know, it's, it, it, we just, we, we tend to be very distracted with the things that we are passionate about. Um, so I, I, I think I know what she's saying, but I, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Oof. <laughs> right now at these days, it's a very sensible point to talk with me about, um, <laughs> As you know, in, in, in a relationship, you have highs and a little bit less highs. <laughs> As you have a nice thermals, you can have a very big sink rate. <laughs> uh, you know, it's um, especially in my case, and how I can tell this, uh, it's very ex difficult to explain myself and even in English, but uh, what I want to say is after my my life today, I'm very thankful about all this experience I have done in any kind of view. I don't know if you know that one years ago I was high catching in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I got into a very bad fight and I was nearly killed. One more. And, and I thought, now, look, you know, I will just do what I want do and what it makes me feel right. I will not go anymore to any social bullshit stuff where I, you must go to visit, you must go to friends, you should go to this concert and you must go out and eat and you should do this and this, you know, you should go to theater. No, I'm a very, I should say a very big egoist. Why? Why I try to live my life now more than even before, day per day, as I like to do it. Yeah. I have the chance to live 50 meters from the hangar and from the sewing factory. I like the part of my house, cooking, to prepare good meals, to eat well, to get good wine to drink, to make sport to use my time doing things I like to do, I love to do, to create this art that I'm creating here, which is so, you know, it's so utopic, actually, this Aero Atelier. 
but it's unique. It's like an art I'm creating. And I feel how many people start to understand why I'm so making important that if you want to start flying a 747 Boeing Airbus airline pilot, you start. You should start paragliding when you are 16, 14. So this is my art, and I live for that. So I didn't care about concert, about you know going out, about all these things. And that's where my wife really had very, very big heart, and she let mm. me do. And of course, she's not my first wife. I was married, I was divorced, and I get a friend, then she dies, then I get a mother, then she leaves, then I, then I have now with, with, um, with Lily. And yeah, I think people who are passionate on what they are doing, you know, they, they, they have not working hours. I must not start, I must not start at 8 to 12 and from two to six or however. I'm 24 hours with my head in, in, in what I'm doing, creating. A part, of course, interesting what goes on on the world, on Earth, the problem, the human problems, social problems. I look a little bit into it. I feel into it. I cannot change, but I can, I can feel like that what I'm doing, it's something with discipline, continuity, you know, flying a caravan with 18 skydivers behind or jump out with a wingsuit or make a paralyzing tandem flights, you must be very responsible what you're doing. You are responsible of person. You are getting into this big air pool, to not say swimming pool. That's how I try to explain to the people when they jump from the aircraft, for example, you are not jumping into that. You're jumping into a big swimming pool and you will swim with your body, you will fly through. Um, you know, this This is the part where I feel that I'm maybe very egoist in one part, but I must really take uh, all the advantage I can take from, from my experiences. Mm. As I know that, however, it's so quick that the lights or the life turns off. And I know that, you know, if you are in very bad situation, personally, like I was, you know, after four operations, getting out and home and wheelchair, you are thinking sometimes to, to, to kill yourself. Yeah. But I know that I have no right to do that. Mm. Yeah. I have so many accidents which I survived. And then this last one where I was catched up in my home and I have to fight through my life in front of my family. I thought, I must live until who is in charge of our life. People said God, others said other gods, however it is, <laughs> just turns off the life and we goes to the other level. So all my friends I lost. And my woman, my biggest love, which was Bettina, I think they are just in another level. They win. They are in an advance. They has passed just to the other place, which nobody really knows how who it is or how it is. 
So that's why maybe it helps also when we lost somebody. We should not be so frustrated. At least we should be frustrated as they has win us. They are just in another place. And we must still go and, you know, cooking, eating, suffering sometimes, loving other times, and even see, ah, you start to be older and older <laughs> and older. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, it's very sensible point of discussion. And I know, I don't know if I can really explain what I want to, but that's what I can I say. That was a perfect explanation. And I, I just lost a, a very good friend of mine, a, a, one of my supporters in the X-Alps. And I, it, I kept thinking about this quote as I was going through, and still I am, of course, going through all that. You always are. But, you know, pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Uh, and I I liked that, you know, that it's, it, you know, we, I, you said, you know, we, we don't really know where these people go, but we're all going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> it's inevitable. <laughs> of course, that's the big question exactly. of our life that nobody really can respond. But we know and we feel it in our heart. I think this is a natural yeah, process. Andy, if you could, if you could rewind the clock, let's just divide by half. You, you're you're fifty two. Uh, if you could, and maybe give us some perspective of maybe where you were. But if you could divide in half, it, let's rewind the clock to in your twenty six years old. Um, where were you, what were you doing? And if you could do anything differently, if you could go back in time and say, Andy, I'm your 52 year old self, and this is what you need to do differently. What would it be? <laughs> How many things I would try to be different. Yeah. That's the big discussion I have with ah! my mother. <laughs> <laughs> my mother, she wanted that I make, you know, university and, never and I think this was my best decision that I have done you know I lived in a small when I lived home with 19 I just got a small car with a bed and all my stuff in and I was that was my home and my home went from parking place to parking place from surf spots to surf spots traveling down to the Canary Islands to 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 Morocco to surf to make experience. And then I got into this, this paragliding world, you know, when it really starts and I said, wow. And I must say, I will never change this choice having taken at this time. Mm. Then I married very soon, you know, married. Ah, this was a big influence also of you should marry it. As you leave with a woman, you should marry her. But she wanted then to get a house I said, no, never, and get compromised with the bank, you know. No, I said, taking some dots with, uh, with the bank and all this shit. And, but maybe, I don't know what I would really change to, yeah. Um, Sometimes I'm asking me, have been as egoist as I am, uh, I have no sister, no brother, so I was an own child, yeah. Uh, maybe this makes also then I grow up in one place and another place and another place. So I never had really friends, long time friends, as when you burn in town and you grow with the kindergarten, first school, second school, university, and then you are 20 years old and you get friends from 20 years. 
I never had this. So if I could really change back back to more than 26, I would ask my father to make three or four more children so I could grow up in a mm. bigger family. And this could have changed my being. <laughs> and maybe today I would be, I don't know, an airline pilot. I don't no, believe. No way. I don't Come know. On. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but when I was 26, I was just, you know, in love with Hannes. Hannes and I, we went brothers. Hannes for me was my brother. He's still my brother, actually. Although he, he leaves this earth one and a half years ago in a helicopter accident, you know. But what I have lived with him and this, this pure, uh, this pure living on a patient to go and paragliding and developing and go back and cut a new profile and new sewing and make a new line. You know, in my time, we didn't have any computers. We, you know, we shaped a, a half part of a wing uh, with foam to get the, the, the cloth around to get the development of a cell of a bottom and the top cell. And we make the lines by ourselves. When I look days, all those young pilots, you know, they never fabricated by themselves a full line line set, for example. And I have sold nearly 60 paragliders from zero to flying them in the prototype parts, change the wingtips, get another bottom cells open. Yeah, these are hours of sitting there, cutting. And, and, and so again, and inflating in the wind and try and fly and be frustrated. And then at least the day we arrived to the to one to six with the progress, you know, that was, and to, to grow up and to start to make maneuver and be an air. You, you are a pilot. You are a captain of an airplane, paragliding pilot. You are in charge of an airplane. So... I must really say, when I look back now, I I take the best choice. Mm -hmm. I like that. Doing what my patient had. What I should have maybe been a little bit more diplomatic. I should be not as much. uh, That's what we talk with my woman all the time. You know, I'm very (laughs) impulsive. Yeah. A little more, a little less fire. Uh, This is the Latin. Yeah, this is, I think this is the Latino part yeah. I have from my mother, from Italian, you know. Magazzo, it makes me sometimes a little bit, you know, uh, cooking my blood. But I, and another part, uh, it's just an art of being. I do not, I don't know, I, I'm not making living on costs of a state. I never ask money on a bank. I never went, you know, uh, stealing something or living in account of other people and, and person who are just getting in touch with me to get information of flying. I'm really open to transmit, to give, to give out. I have made so many safety courses just for free as I just wanted that people learn mm-hmm. flying that they can really feel how it is flying nice and, 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 and be a safe pilot. Yeah. Mm. And maybe I should have even a little bit more power 
at this time, when I am seeing back, this may be very sensible, what I will say right now. But I was very angry about the, the flying schools at this mm-hmm. time, you know. The flying schools, they just want to make flight very quick to the people and sell them a paraglider where they have huge part of money they get in their pockets. But there was never a real, I think it's still yeah, a big a problem. Big the schools, it's just, they sell, they just sell a, 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 a quickie, yeah. a quickie flying experience. Um, and they just want to give you and sell you as fast as possible the paraglider. That's where they have the most, um, uh, uh, como se dice yeah, that's la palabra? Where the is. Yeah, the benefit, benefit yeah. the margin, yeah. But then the school, why they don't know, learn the people how to inflate the paraglider, how to inflate reversed. You know, I need, I use the paraglider for my students to explain them why something is flying, what is the suspension, and when, and, and, and how it works. And, and through the paraglider, it's the best tool you mm-hmm. can do it. Yeah. And I said, and I saw that then the, the schools, the only thing what they want is, ah, it must be as simple as possible, you know, and as simple as possible, they must have the, those licenses. And this makes for our sports a big dark shadow which ends on accidents of person of people who never heard of different kind of factors which are a part a very important part of our sport yeah this has been a big theme lately i don't know why it just keeps coming up lately on on a bunch of the recent shows is just that it it's it depends so much there's no very few schools are teaching people to be an autonomous pilot. You know, you're 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 just checking the boxes. You're you're going, okay, well, they've done this, they've done that, they've done that. Okay, here's your license, and they're sending these people off with none of the requisite knowledge of being a pilot. And it's it's really, uh, I think it's really frustrating. I, I there are very good schools out there, but I think it's so important that. You know, but there's a lot that aren't, and and it's so dependent on the instructor you get, and the, the it's just it's a real. I think it's a real problem in the sport, and I think you're like you said, it's also one of the reasons for so many accidents. And it's still a big problem. When I look and when I talk with Alain Soler, who came one month, nearly three weeks here to my place now this summer, and we talked about all we suffered during during all the process of mm-hmm. certification and the safety aspect of a paraglider but we could never make power that the safety aspect are the yeah. schools and the, the schools must be more expensive than they are to give a more specific education and formation of paragliding mm-hmm. pilots yeah and they should have much more time. And, and it's still today the same problem. Yeah. And we still today have three or four different uh, certification process with different kinds of certification ideas. And it's yeah. just ridiculous. And the sports is not safer. It's the same as it was 10, 20, 25 years ago. 
No, no. However, I just thought that for me, you know, these are in, in, in the paragliding world, I can see these kind of things. But, you know, what happens to me and which is <laughs> quite uh, lovely, uh, you know, there are the, the paragliding pilot is one personality. Yeah. The skydivers, they are other personalities. Then you have the sailplane pilots. Then you have the aircraft pilots. Then you have the helicopter pilots. Yeah. And then, you know, you have the balloon flyers. And then you have the hang glider pilots, which we are not anymore so much. We, I, we know why, but I really like hang gliding, actually. But what I want to go into, it's this different kind of personalities who practice this, those different kind of, of uh, air sports activities. And maybe if you look into music, you have the guy who is a very good bassist. Another one is more on the violin, on the piano. You have a few of them. They are good in many kinds of instruments, but they are not so much of them. And in the flying, I suppose it's very the same, very nearly the same. When I have an airplane, when I hear PPR pilot who came to start flying an aircraft, and they said to him, now we go inflate a paraglider to make the, the sensibility of uh, meteorologic, of the air, of, of the mass, when we start learning aerodynamics through a paraglider, he looks to you like, eh? <laughs> he, he feels, or when I have uh, a skydiver and I said, skydive student, we will start paragliding before we skydive or during your first skydive tandem jumps, you will make paragliding first step cool school. And I'm fighting with the skydiver instructor as they said no nothing to do you are just giving too many information to our students and i said but man how you can jump out an aircraft make free fall and afterwards you open a paraglider and you can't fly this where exists this yeah you can't believe how many discussions i have and i'm sometimes thinking i'm really pissing outside the toilet what what why what is happening yeah you wonder you wonder how many accidents could be prevented in the in the base and wingsuit world if those if you know if if there were more paraglider pilots you know i think when you have the reverse opening next to the but wall it's no big deal if you're a pilot you know what to do immediately it's just not a not a problem look look if you ask Paul Guschelbauer, he's flying with his his mm -hmm. Piper Cup, or I'm flying with a caravan with a 900 power horsepower turbine into the Andes, I fly same as yeah. a paraglider. Yeah. Where's the wind from? How strong is the wind? Welly wind where I should not fly into? Or however, your sinking process is so much richer as when you did not have free flight before. Yeah. I have a great story for you. When when <clears throat> when I was working with Paul on the Alaska project, um, he not not Kenny who who is a paraglider and who really taught Paul how to fly his cub and was very much a part of that whole project. But another guy was was flying out uh, to drop some gear to the camera crew one day, 
and uh, Paul was up at, they both left the same place and they were going out, out into the big mountains, out in the, into the Alaska range. And the one guy who had been flying up in Alaska, super cubs and beavers and otters. I mean, you know, very experienced uh, airplane pilot was, was at 6,000 feet. And Paul was at 14,000 feet <laughs> and, and the, and the guy radioed him, Paul, how are you up there? You know? And Paul said, I'm thermaling. What are you doing? I'm thermaling. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. in, in one season, and I've told this story at the, at the, you know, when we'd show North and Known and the film projects, when I go on tour and stuff, but in one season, by the end of that summer, Kenny said that Paul was the best airplane pilot he'd ever seen in Alaska, you know, and that was just in one summer. And that was because of Paul's paragliding background. You know, he just, he understood it naturally and to have an engine was just a bonus, you know? That makes me feel so happy uh, listening these kind of stories, you know? This gives me, this confirms that I'm not pissed. Yeah, no, it was, it was amazing <laughs> and, um, to watch how good he got. You know, this is just the right, this is, this is very, very the yeah. right stuff. And that's why. And that's why then when I was here with Paul and we have so great time together, um, I had to feel that he, 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 you know, he's thinking the same way. And that's why I think my project as utopic, it sounds, it makes mm. some sense. Mm. Andy, I want to be mindful of your time. And I, so I just have one more. This has just been amazing. But I have, I have one more question. You know, you in the film, there's just so many amazing adventures. Your your caravan trip from from Salzburg, from, from Red Bull across Scotland and Greenland and northern Canada all the way down to Argentina and your World Cup win in 2000 and your incredible accident with Hernan. I mean, there's just so many things there and again listeners you got to see this movie it's just fantastic but i'd love for you to close with your your greatest adventure you know what what you know now after this 30 something years of flight you know what which what what stands out the most what journey what adventure what experience what friendship um as you saw before, we have a very windy day and I have time enough, but to make it very short, this question, I think the biggest advance, adventure I lived, it's my life. Uh, it's a very pure, um, pure art of living my life. And in this, I have many very, very nice experiences with persons. And I think, you know, the relationship I had with Hannes uh he was my brother uh, i filled with him so strong this art of being and, and and all this characteristic he had which i don't have from what i wanted to get from him and it's the same part he gets from me this patient of flying however uh to get into be a red bull athlete since very beginning as uh, Dietrich sometimes sells, Urgesteine. Yeah? Urgesteine means, you know, very old stones. <laughs> uh, to be part of this history, it makes me very, very proud. And to have uh, now also uh, uh, these projects running with all these 
missions to you know to have airplane instructors, skydive instructors, paragliding, flying, sewing, and so on. To, to mixing all those, it's like an orchestra. And then my family, be father of four children, my daughter, which will leave house now in the end of year, and the youngest one who had now four years. <laughs> This is also a big part of my adventure. Uh, and now what I try to is just you know, be a little bit more careful, but still doing what I really feel. Uh, for example, this wingsuiting, uh, you know, I just got through Sebastian Alvarez. Uh, he's a very big wingsuiter from Chile, and he came here, and I make several jumps with him, and I really could discover how to work, how it works, and now I'm just flipping with that. I don't think I would really do an approximity wingsuiting, but be with your body in, in, in this wingsuit is just mm -hmm. amazing. It's just... But then I go to paragliding with my new prototypes that I can get and fish out from uh, from advance, and I say, "Wow, I should maybe go back once to compete." Yeah, a little bit. the world would love see to see that. that. Young friends, and you know, I was part of Xavier Murió when '91 when we start with the project of uh, paragliding mm -hmm. World Cup. It starts together. Xavier Murió and I we started wow. this project. Legend. And today it is what it is, of course, after several things. And so my biggest advance, <laughs> uh, adventure is actually all my life. I love it. Perfect answer. Andy, that was just such a treat, man. Such an honor. And uh, I hope we get to share the skies together someday. Uh, it's been, it was just incredible to watch your, your movie and to share all that history and, and, uh, thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for making this time available to, to your fans and our fans and the, the people that owe so much gratitude and owe so much to you for, for, for making this, uh, this amazing sport that we are all so passionate about. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Gavin, that you take me, uh, a part of, 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 uh, this project you're doing with these broadcasts and uh, maybe just one thing I wanted to know it's in you talk several times about my film there is the, the, the original one which is called Airman done really really by ourselves and then was uh, sharing the sky which is a little bit the same in an English and more short version uh, I still believe that the original version is a little bit more nicer version for all those people who get out. And yeah, that's the, I agree. Yeah. I watched both, and I agree. I'll, I'll have I'll have links to both in the show notes. But uh, yeah, the the long one is is just terrific, and I and I think it's always better in in the language that you speak. That uh, so I appreciate. I know this is probably hard to get through in English, but uh, you're you're very articulate. That was fantastic. Thank you. So thank you once more, Gavin, and I really hope to meet you one day somewhere sure. out there in the big uh, I'm sure we pool. will. It's a small world, isn't it? It's a small, big world. Thanks, Andy. Talk soon. And, and uh, again, I really appreciate it. And best of luck to you down there and, and to all your beautiful children. Thank you to all our listeners and uh, hang loose.
I hope you enjoyed that. I had her smile on my face the whole time for that one. Such a uh, legend, legend in the sport. It's just amazing to, to sit down with Andy and, and hear all those stories. Uh, if you're getting something out of the show or one of the previous shows, or if you're just discovering the show, go back and check out the hours and hours and hours of great talks with so many incredible pilots. There's so much good advice there and a lot of things to make you smile and a lot of things to make you better. Please do support the show. All we've ever, ever asked for is a buck a show. You can do that as a one-off through PayPal. Uh, go to cloudbasedmayhem.com and you'll find the links for supporting the show. Uh, don't just send us a buck. Wait until you watch, listen to 20 or 30 shows and then send accordingly because PayPal takes a little chunk out of that. So a buck doesn't go very far. But uh, we do have quite a bit of expenses. As you can imagine this takes a lot of time. We love doing it. We love bringing it to you. But your support goes a long way. We really appreciate it. And you can also find on the Cloud Base Man, we've got a new store now. You can buy a t-shirt or a hat with our, our little swag start there, which is pretty fun. All of that stuff's coming from Patagonia. It's all sustainably sourced and organic organic and uh, we hope you'll dig it and you can also support us as a regular con- contributing member uh, through patreon and that's patreon.com forward slash cloud mayhem at certain levels you get all kinds of cool rewards and uh, there's where you can just kind of set it and forget it and you only have to contribute when uh, it's kind of automatic but you only contribute when we put a show out so thanks very much we appreciate your support and i'll see you on the next one cheers <laughs>